0: pretty wild atmospheres in college last week we are recording late night just after texas and texas tech Brad, i'd like to i'd like to say that we waited to do this podcast until the middle of the night on a tuesday because we wanted to see if anyone threw anything at chris beard but it's actually just because i've been very busy you've been very busy so here we are doing a late night tuesday night podcast last time we did a late night tuesday night podcast providence lost by 32 right before so i was thinking about that earlier today actually I saw that I think Providence was losing at one point briefly, and I checked the score, and I saw it, and I was like, oh, man. If we do this, Brad's never going to let me podcast on Tuesday nights again.
1: Well, well now, here, here's the thing that I don't understand, right? So it was, yeah, it was the under-four timeout. And it goes to commercial. I'm on Twitter. No, no sorry. I uh, go to to a check, check the scores of the Auburn and, and the Texas Tech game. And I see that the game's going on. It says Pasha Alexander makes a layup. Like I, I thought we were only a few seconds behind. You know, I, I'm not on streaming. I have cable. Um, and that was like a full minute behind. I, I kept on getting like spoiled on the game on like Twitter and stuff. Um, but yeah, right. I, I survived I'm, I'm still not all, you know, t- totally calm after that win. I, I, I had a pit in my stomach the whole day. Uh, these. These I mean, minefield it was games.
0: that was that was a, the minefield of all minefields road game right after your emotional win against St. John's is better than the record, better than the resume. Like,
1: they're very talented. They do not value possession. They foul so much. Oh, my
0: God. Zion, we um, making some real dumb decisions.
1: Aaron Wheeler, since the, the first Providence game at the start of January, I mean, he he's been incredible. Um, and, you know, Posh has a great game. Wheeler's been incredible, and, and and they still can't get enough from Champagne and the rest of the supporting cast. Is it you know it's kind of kind of crazy to think about you know. Yes. Uh, everyone had St. John's in the, in the N.C.A.A. tournament it felt like. Yeah. I had them 31st. You know I I was as high on them as as almost anyone, and it's just not happening. I, I mean between the they, they were short-handed, but they lost a pit and and you know my my thoughts on the asterisks. I want to. Abolish the asterisk. They they play with their food in the, in a weak non-con, and now they're like, you know, we should be a bubble team. Why is our net sucking everything? Well, it's you didn't take care of business, and now you're trying to screw up the Big East f- for the rest of us. Same with same with Butler. Butler's short-handed. They're losing by 40, 50 points to all all these teams, and then they get healthy, and it's like, well, you know, this team should be 80th, not not 150th. For Saint John's, it's, you know, they should be 50th, not 90th. It's very yep.
0: frustrating. Anyway, uh, if Providence can win its next four games, which they should absolutely, or next three games, excuse me, they absolutely absolutely should beat Georgetown. They absolutely should beat DePaul. If they can beat Villanova at home on February 15th. I think there's a real chance. I believe the first um, mock top 16 is on the 19th. And there's a real chance Providence would be a one seed in that simulation.
1: Well, I don't know if you listen to the Bracketology Field of 68 show with Rocco and Lucas Harkins. Rocco Miller and, and, and Lucas Harkins—they're doing all this high-level analysis, historical research. Rocco taping interviews. Lucas is running, running simulations and formulas and all this stuff. And they're—they're—they're they're, they're, they're both in consensus that the NCAA says that Ken Palm and this stuff doesn't matter. But for the top seeds, it absolutely does matter. Um, So even if Providence plays to the spread, I mean, I think Ken Palm had this as Providence by two tonight, Providence wins by four. You know, if they handle Georgetown by 10 and DePaul by 12 um, and then beat Nova by two, I mean, our Ken Palm is not going to be much different than it is now. It
0: won't be top 20, and it feels like it has to be top 20, right? I mean... Yeah. Ken Pomp's gonna be like fortieth, you know? Yeah. You would I mean you'd think it gets a little bit better because the team's are gonna lose around them, but Yeah. It is yeah. Providence is seeding. It's gonna be very interesting. As a bracketologist myself, I have zero feel for what's gonna happen. Um but yeah. Friars are rolling. Northwestern beat Rutgers and perhaps the ugliest game of all time tonight, so that was fun. Um Northwestern blew a twenty four point second half lead, went to overtime. It was as bad as it gets, but Northwestern now is 13 and 35 instead of 12 and 35 in games decided by six points or less in the last five years. So good for Chris Collins. Clearly learning hey, how to close games.
1: And then before we move on to the heavy hitter game,
0: school right, basketball,
1: yeah. Let, let me just do like a minute or two on Providence because it turns out that we talk about Providence less than every other podcast. <laughs> Especially F- Field of 68. It's like every, every episode we're talking Providence. We're talking their fans, their weird resume. They win a lot, their close games, blah, blah, blah. Um, so I'll just do my minute or so on Providence and then you can move on to the actual games that everyone else watched tonight sure Um, Watson ha- hasn't been great the past few games he's, he's turned it on late he had that highlight are play against Marquette are you yet. sure he's
0: not, he's, not, he's not passing out of the high post distributing uh,
1: he's not passing but, but I don't think I want him to pass I think I want him to go and dunk the ball every time he gets it great. Um, but you know, coming on late the uh past two games after scoring zero points against Xavier and and as an aside on Xavier, I couldn't have been more wrong on Jack nungie. Remember when Jack Nungey as a freshman was the starting small forward for Iowa? I do remember that. Now he's like this legit pretty awesome center. Um but yeah the yeah, problem His, took those three big wins is you know since since we last podcasted and you know AJ Reeves is back. He hasn't been playing great these uh past two games but Manaya seems to be getting better each and every game. Uh, Cooley was freaking out that he wasn't named to the defensive watch list because, you know, he, he plays defense. He doesn't steal and block. You know, he's just kind of locking down his, his man. And Champagne both times, Roden, Lewis, all these guys have really struggled against him. And his offense has started to come around. He's, he's hitting threes. He's shooting like 45% from three in conference play. Um, and then Jared Bynum, who... Everyone knows I, I hated Jared Bynum last year. I was appalled that Cooley didn't get a grad transfer starting point, got over him. Uh, but he's been awesome. And tonight he had a few just bailout, end of shot clock, bomb threes. He's passing the ball really well. He's making me look like an idiot. Between him and Jack Nungy, um, you know, those guys are making me look stupid.
0: I mean, it's, then just, Durham, it's just everyone. It's, every, it's someone different every night. Probably, absolutely. Right?
1: That, that whole top seven. I mean – Croswell played like 10 minutes tonight because Watson was playing pretty well down the stretch. And he had like four or five buckets just off, you know, carving out space, good hands, soft touch on the rim. Um, so in a game where Durham couldn't hit a shot, Reeves was not playing well. The defense as a whole was was a sieve. Uh, you get great second half from Watson. He had a great game from Bynum. Mania's been solid. Horkler hit some huge shots. And that's that's how you're 19-2. and two. Uh, and they're so old and they shoot free throws really well generally. And that's why they're winning the close games and all, all the Providence fans and, and now Cooley himself too. Cooley in the press conference uh, against Marquette was like, I'm really, really proud of our guys for our latest lucky win. Um, so it's, I mean, the season couldn't be going any better. I mean, I had them 43rd in the preseason I was more pessimistic about this team than any other team in the Cooley era, uh, except for his first year, obviously. Uh, until they beat Purdue in that secret scrimmage, is when I started to believe that this team could be pretty good.
0: And um, the you know, funny we, thing we, about that, Brad, is that they actually uh, they're worse than 43rd in Ken Palm. <laughs> I know. Like if if you were predicting Ken Palm, which I think we both would say we generally are. Yeah. Providence would be basically right on par, but yeah, they are nine and one in the Big Nineteen and two overall. It's just, I mean, it's a great story. It's great for great for the Big East and yeah. I mean, like the thing is, even as long as they beat Georgetown to Paul, like even if they lost to Butler on the road, don't say that. Okay, how about this? If they go if they go five hundred, the final five games after they beat Georgetown to Paul, this is like a wildly successful season. Like absolutely, like top four seed in the NCAA tournament, top five seed in the NCAA tournament, great resume. You know, obviously Cooley into the mix for jobs, but I don't know if that really will anything will really come of that. But I think it's just kind of the problem is there's a Darth of names, and you know, we actually haven't podcasted since the official end of the Chris Mack Louisville era. We've kind of alluded to it in multiple shows, like this was coming. Um, you know, I, I don't think Cooley's a candidate there. I think I feel pretty confident that Kenny Payne is probably the top top choice, given that you know Bruce Pearl's not happening, Rick Pitino's obviously not happening. So like they need a swing and. He's the swing, but you know, there's just a dearth of good candidates for both those jobs. I mean, at least Kenny Payne is a qualified candidate. It's, it's, it's a risk. I know you wouldn't do it probably Brad, but you know, it, he's at least like a qualified Louisville candidate, like Maryland. Like it's just like who he, I can't even begin to consider who should be the Maryland head coach. So, you know, at some point it's like, all right, well, Ed Cooley's winning the East. I mean, look, we talked about Kevin Willard a lot in connection to Maryland and why he, you know, kind of feels like he could be the guy and it's like their collapse here in recent games just leaves like, like the two jobs that he would have been great fits for Maryland and Louisville. You kind of feel unattainable right now. And that just makes it even further challenging to find a name that makes sense at Maryland. Obviously here and Andy Enfield, I think you'll hear his name more and more. Uh, Obviously some people have floated Kim English. Um, But I I just think, like, at the end of the day, Cooley's getting mentioned not because, oh, wow, he's got the Sterling resume or, oh, wow, you know, he's the dude. It's like he's just the flavor of the month. There's a guy, you know, somebody has to be on these lists and it would be a logical jump. Again, do I see it happening? No. But that's my, that's my thought on that. And on the end of Louisville, I think Mike Piggy's doing a nice job kind of firing every guy. But, yeah, but I think Chris Mack had quit. I think that's pretty obvious. And the players quit on Chris Mack. And uh, here we are. Best jo- One of the best jobs in college basketball is open. There will be plenty of names that surface. A lot of guys will use it to get extensions. I think if there's a big name to take it, it would be Mick Cronin. I don't think Mick Cronin will take the job. But if there's a big name to take it, I think it would be Mick. And uh, we'll see where it goes from there.
1: And, and just one, one very final thing on, on Providence. Listen, sure. G- Georgetown is definitely a better job than Providence. No one is, is seriously debating that. The debate is, is Georgetown such a better job that you would leave Providence? With Providence going well, Georgetown going poorly, would you leave when, you know, Cooley makes more money than Ewing? I mean, I mean it's, it's very very similar. Uh, right. But according to yeah, what Luke also- is talking it's the same.
0: Right, and it's also home for truly.
1: Yeah, is that a big enough jump to warrant, you know, it? Because when, when, when we talk about better job, right? If they're both open, you take Georgetown over Providence. But yes. if you're already there and it's going well and you get paid really well, is that jump to Georgetown big enough? I don't, I don't think it is. Uh, but I don't, I, I don't have a great pulse on, on, on this stuff, especially as a Providence fan, because every thought you have, you're weighing. Oh, am I just biased? That's why I think he's going to stay as opposed to go to Georgetown or Maryland or Louisville. Or are those jobs really enough of a step up? And you uh, know, Cooley makes three point five million supposedly. So, like, w- would Louisville paying him five million because they paid Mac four million? If if they paid Cooley five million, is that is that enough for for, for him to jump? I mean, I
0: I honestly have no idea. So, uh, but I mean, I think Maryland would be enough. I think Louisville would be enough. I don't think Georgetown would be. That's my take.
1: How about two incredibly savvy, savvy coaching moves? Chris Mack quits his job and gets $4.8 million from it. Um, and then Bruce Pearl with the most transparent name floating of all time, like midseason. He just has to like whisper that he might want the Louisville job and he gets like an enormous contract and like everything he's ever wanted.
0: Well, he didn't get everything he wanted. I'll put it that way. Bruce Pearl didn't. Oh, I thought he, he got his practice facility and this and that. And there's there's one other thing that he didn't get, and that would be Stephen Pearl being head coach in waiting. Oh. <laughs> he wanted it, and they nearly got it. He used to play him in games.
1: I remember I was at the the um. This was uh, like ten years ago at the dunk. It was NCAA tournament. It was. Tennessee and Ohio, I think. Uh, John John Gross, Ohio, against Bruce Pearl, Tennessee, and like Stephen Pearl, I think used to like play rotation minutes as a walk on for Tennessee, and and, yes. and and Tennessee fans around me were were complaining about it. But that, but he no, puts his son in.
0: steve Stephen Pearl being head coach in Washington was like a real thing that was discussed. Um, obviously Kelvin Sampson, when he tested the waters at Arkansas a couple years back, got that for Kellen at Houston. Yeah. Um. Now, from what I was told, like the contract that Kellen Sampson has is not, it, it's so unprohibitive to the school if they wanted to go another direction that, like, it's not really worth that much, if that makes sense, right? Like, it's a name, but it's not realistically, if Houston decided when Kelvin retired, that they want to hire someone else. It wouldn't be that big of a challenge to move on from it. Um, and I think any Stephen Pearl arrangement would have been the same, but I mean, at the end of the day, if, if Houston's, if, if Auburn's rolling, when Bruce retires, Steven will be the head coach. Steven's not like hunting around for Sunbelt head coaching jobs right now. Like he's going to stay at Auburn until Bruce leaves. And, you know, quite frankly is, you know, regardless of whether he's head coach waiting, he's getting a huge pay raise. So, does it really matter? I don't know. So, that was that was the one thing that, that was discussed that didn't get in there. Um, But Bruce got plenty and the staff got raises and the whole deal that was necessary to... I mean, it was... The, the most obvious part about it was the fact that Bruce... Like, the first leak that Bruce had contact with Louisville was from an Auburn source. <laughs> like, that was such amateur hour shit. Auburn. I mean, he earned the extension. Like they're the number one team in the country.
1: Should we talk about Auburn, or or were you glued to the reality t- reality TV show in Lubbock, Texas tonight?
0: I was glued to the reality TV show in Lubbock. Um, so bef-
1: so why yes. don't you expand on 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 what what I missed uh, watching the Friars instead of the Red Raiders? Well, I mean, I was
0: like pleasantly surprised that. There don't appear to have been any, like, actually bad things happened. I mean, I I likened it the other day to soccer in, like, South America, where people bring, like, fireworks to the games and, like, completely wreak havoc. I, like, literally thought that something was going to happen along those lines. Like, I thought there was going to be, you know... Fire alarms pulled at hotels, things thrown onto the court. And 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 maybe it would have happened if Texas had won the game. I don't know. But I, 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 I kind of expected a full mob scene and uh yeah. it just was a really great college basketball atmosphere. Uh, I wish I was there. Um but I mean it was I I, I quite frankly, I, I think Texas Tech looks more talented than Texas. Which is and crazy to think about. Right. It's hard to believe, but also, like when you look at the guys that Texas has, none of them look good as role players. Timmy Allen looks awful as a role player. Trey Mitchell's fine. Christian Bishop, I mean, he had a good statistical game today. He stinks. Like Christian Bishop is awful. I don't. I don't know what happened. Dsu is a complete bust. Devin Askew got into the lane a couple of times, but he's not very good, right? Like I mean, Brock Cunningham has to play 20 minutes on the team. Let's just say it all. Like. When you watch Texas attack, you're like, man, like these guys are long, they're athletic. You know, again, without a full health Terrence Shannon today. They're long and athletic, they're physical at the rim, they're well coached. like McCullough could score. Adonis Arms can score and do everything. I mean, that's that's really the biggest thing. He rebounds, he dis you know, assists. Davion Warren's a good slasher. Bryson Williams is really, really good. O'Banner can stretch the floor. Santos Silva's a glue guy. And is a glue guy. Bacho is physical up front, like they feel like legitimately very talented i I think you know that might get overlooked because you have Brazil mark adams defense mark adams defense whatever well, you know and Mark adams is a really good ball coach i I don't think there's any debating that at this point, but like at the end of the day for me like they're talented like they're very good and you know what they're de- doing. i do I think they're better than Baylor? I don't think so. But are they the best, second-best team of the Big 12? Do I think they're better than Kansas? Yeah, I, I think I do. In um, Kansas, they know one today without Agbaji, which is big. Um, and Kansas beat you – know, the, the team split their season series. It's already over. So kind of a hard data point, but she's like, man, like – I think Texas Tech is really good. I, I thought there was a lot of positive things for Texas today in terms of, like, their offense seemingly yeah. – not looking totally lost. They moved the ball pretty well. They didn't make shots, I and mean, it's the biggest thing. Like, they, like, like Dylan D'Souza, Andrew Jones, and Jace Fevvers come out to be 0 for 7 for three. Those are good shooters. They just didn't make shots. Like if they, if those guys are 4 for 7, it's a game. They just didn't. So, you know, I, I think, I think Texas is still kind of finding itself. I think these last two, you know, last couple of ball games, beat Tennessee to win at TCU. That was really important. I think after the Kansas State loss and the struggle against Oklahoma State, like how are they going to find a way? But you know this team is going to be a team that has to be you know, has to find a way with its defense, and they got a couple couple big home games coming up this weekend where you know, if they can win them, they'll be not only full of the NCAAs play tournament, which I think they probably are already already, but you know really solidify themselves as a top four Big 12 team.
1: Yeah, after our last podcast last Monday was that incredible Texas Tech Kansas double overtime game with yes. Igbaje going crazy, and you know, McCormick did not have a good game in that one. He was eventually replaced in the overtimes with K.J. Adams, the freshman kind of power forward he was out there playing small ball five. He was active. Uh, but I watched some of the Kansas-Iowa State game, and it seemed like McCormick was much better today. Uh, even hit a jumper, had a nice pass I saw, um, and then he had a nice stat line as well. So that's the that's key for Kansas.
0: Um, can, can we talk Kansas, or do you have a Texas Tech thought?
1: No, I was just going to mention something about Texas, which was, sure. um, you know, the 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 record still looks good and everything, in in the Big Twelve where like you have Iowa State and West Virginia falling way below 500, and and Oklahoma, Texas's record was still you know pretty solid. I think they were five and three cu- coming into this game, but they had not played Texas Tech, Baylor, or Kansas yet. So those are the the real three tests in the league, and they they hadn't played any of them yet. Um. so, you know, Texas played that soft non-con. They had a fortunate start to their Big 12 slate. So we're still really figuring out, you know, is is Texas a top 20 team? Are they top 15? Are they top 30? Are they a bubble? You know, what kind of team is this? And and, in their first of the six huge tests, uh, they they failed in what was a crazy Texas Tech atmosphere.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I thought they played okay, right? I I think it was... Like Texas Tech could have been you know one and fifteen coming into this game and it would have been a hard hard game for them to play. So you know, I th- I think Texas is fine. I think like I watch Texas, I say yeah, they're better than TCU, yeah, they're better than Oklahoma, yeah, they're better than Kansas State, and yeah, they're better than um Oklahoma State, and you're better than West Virginia. So I think they're, they're probably the fifth best team in the league.
1: Wait. Sorry, you have Iowa State or TCU ahead of Texas, I
0: I have Iowa State probably I I haven't decided. I think that's C fifty. Okay. But um you mentioned Kansas. I do want to talk about Kansas because yes, they're eighteen and three. Yes, they're seven and one in the league. Yes, they really have no bad loss from like an NCAA tournament standpoint. Obviously, the Dayton game is a Q two, not the end of the world. But there is something about this Kansas team that is concerning and you know i think certainly a lot of that game against kentucky feels like a you know a statement in favor of kentucky rather than a indictment of kansas kentucky was awesome and we could talk about them in a second but i don't ever come away really from watching kansas impressed i certainly don't come away overwhelmed by their talent you know i mean we could and again, they've, they're their Big 12 slate in the last, you know, since that Texas Tech loss. They've beaten Iowa State by one. They blew out West Virginia. But then Oklahoma by three, Kansas State by three, Texas Tech by three in overtime, double overtime. And then today they kind of held Iowa State at arm's length. Like they just don't overwhelm me talent wise. The Remy Martin experiment is not going well. McCormick has been really, really up and down. I just like, like Jalen Wilson and Dewan Harris. And David McCormick, they look
1: talented. You said like, on the on the field of sixty eight, right? Was you know at this time last year, we're still talking about Jalen Wilson as a first round pick, yes. small ball five as his floor spacer, super versatile guy, uh, and he's he's really come down to earth where he just looks kind of ordinary out there. Um, and you know, I think you know Harris Wilson and McCormick are all good players. I think. Even just comparing Kansas's talents to Kentucky, I don't think it's far off. I think Kentucky's doing one of the great.
0: I I disagree.
1: See, I think Kentucky's doing one of the great. Um, some or the the whole is greater than the sum of the parts because those those five starters just, just fit so perfectly well.
0: But Severe Wheeler is so much better than Dewan Harris. So, we've but, got, so Severe Wheeler is so much better than Dewan Harris. Ty Ty is like.
1: Well, like both both Tai Tai and Oshai Baji are, are, are lottery picks.
0: Tai a better pro.
1: Okay, but like, Babji's been, been better great. college
0: player. Fine. Christian Brown is worse. Christian Brown is slightly better than Grady. Fine. Oh, oh, I I think both. he's way better than Grady. But Big I, I O think... is way. But Big O is way, way better than Big O is way better than McCormick. Um, so,
1: so they they, they both Brooks have a lottery pick, and then they both have than than like a second
0: rounder. I just feel like I I just I feel underwhelmed talent wise, like significantly underwhelmed.
1: I don't think Kentucky has like an incredible amount of talent. I think that they're doing it with synergy. I think Kansas has has not had the same level of synergy. But the, the the one kinda hope, if you're a Kansas fan, um, is we know Remy Martin is good at basketball. Yes. He's not fit, he's hurt or whatever. I think i saw today he's going to sit out the next like week or so with a, a nagging injury i mean you you have a good player in there uh yep. kind of kind of feel a little similar to when people were saying villanova has no depth and it's just like they got guys that should be good you just got to use them uh and and they started to use like longino more and they got brian antoine back I, you know people are saying kansas guard play is not good enough you have a really good guard there we did we, we have another month or so to try to un- unlock him and figure out how how to use them best. Uh, but
0: I I do think one of the talent like the the reasons why the talent feels bigger than it maybe is, the talent gap between Kansas and Kentucky, or the talent gap between Kansas and the elite teams, the country right now, generally, is Kansas' two best players don't create themselves. That's a good one. Right? Like their offense is really rely like really reliant upon post touches for David McCormick. And David McCormick's not very good. Like like you watch Kentucky, right? Like, uh, Sevier is always in the paint. Sevier always in the paint. Sheepway feels like he makes a real impact in the game because of rebounding all that. You know, tie ties can get in the paint, you can make shots, He create. Like, their offense feels like Kansas offense was a lot about, a lot of like swinging it around, trying to like lob it into the post, um, run like some off ball shit to get Agbajee an open look, find Brown, get, get Brown coming down off the ball screen and, you know, get downhill. Like, they, like, nothing they do feels like self-created. And I think one of the ways that we feel like, uh, you know, I test measure talent is like, can guys create their own shots? They just, they just can't. And Remy Martin is the guy who theoretically could do that. And until they get there, I, you know, I just don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what Kansas does. And again, they're fine. Like They're going to be a top, top three seed in the NCAA tournament again. But this team like doesn't feel significantly different to the team last year that just was like solid. I mean, the record's better. But that team last year from Kansas was just like solid the whole way. Never great. Gets the gets a three seed. Obviously you got blown out by USC. I don't I don't buy that necessarily. But like, you know. Like I, I just don't think they're that good. on the other hand, I, I do think Kentucky is really coming on, right? And you know, look, Kentucky fans are gonna say, Oh, well, you know, if Sevier Wheeler hadn't gotten hurt against L S U and Auburn, like and Ty hadn't gotten hurt against Auburn, we'd we wouldn't have lost since Notre Dame, we'd be undefeated, we'd be number one in the country, whatever. I don't care. Like it doesn't really matter to me. Like what doesn't matter to me is like right now they're really clicking, right? They have shooting, they have shot creation. Sheeby is just a dominant force, and we go over that every time we talk. Basketball is incredible. Um, and they're starting to get it from Keon Brooks. They're starting to get good production from Jacob Toppin. Mints can play in that right role. They're not reliant on freshmen. You know, like they're like they're not a super deep team. Like you said, Brad, it doesn't feel like they're necessarily overwhelmingly talented, but they're talented enough, and you know, just they're just dominant. They dominate the interior. And Rob Doster made a good point about this when I was on the Field to See it with him the other day. Oscar Sheehy's rebounding. Like, like people try to contextualize like what being an amazing rebounder is, like, and what it does for your team. Like, obviously, people think like oh, offensive a really second chance points, second chance points, and that's absolutely true. But but Sheepway, being as good an offensive rebounder as he is means Kentucky can send just him to the offensive class and everyone else can get back, which means your defense is better because teams aren't being able to attack, you know, four on three or, you know, four on four semi transition, right? Like they're always getting back on defense. They're setting their defense on the other end floor. They can leak out, right? Like Sheepway can just hunt the ball and you can let guys leak out because, you know, you think they'll get it. And so, Chibwe, who runs the floor extremely you well, know, can outlet and just go, right? And, like, you know, the athletes, they have the, you know, multiple ball handlers. Even Grady can can really handle the ball, right? I mean, think about what he did at Davidson. He can handle it. Mince can handle it. Toppin can grab and go, right? Like, Keon can grab and go. Like, I, I'm i really impressed. And, again, I think Auburn's probably a little bit better than Kentucky, but I think this is the Final fourteen.
1: I mean, I could certainly see that. Uh, I think in terms of Final Four, I think you got to put Auburn in there. Yeah. Um, I mean, Baylor played pretty well last night, minus Cryer, who I did not know was their leading scorer. That was a big big surprise to me. And Flagler um, weathered a the storm there from a uh, bubble West Virginia team. Um, so if they're all healthy, maybe you could see Baylor. I haven't seen Gonzaga in a while. They're playing BYU on Saturday. I want to watch that game at 10 o'clock. But I mean, they've they've looked impressive. to Th- Throw them in there, and then sure, sure, Kentucky. I think I like them more than Purdue and Kansas, obviously, and yeah. Texas Tech and all, yep. all the Big Ten teams. So, sure, absolutely.
0: Um, speaking of Big Ten teams, I was at Purdue versus Ohio State on Sunday. I know you were probably not watching a ton because Providence Marquette.
1: I, I, I watched zero. I was at Providence Marquette in the blizzard we got 20 inches of snow here unbelievable unbelievable and then on on saturday i'm trying to watch michigan michigan state while the other noon games are at halftime we get like one play it goes under eight they cut to the weather guy weather guy is just going and and then i'm I'm checking my phone and the game's going and it was uh didn't come back until under five and our our syracuse correspondent patrick wong he, he lives in boston so he has cbs boston I have CBS Providence. Um, CBS Boston didn't come back the whole first half. They were just talking about the snow.
0: People might have weather.com.
1: I mean, we can look outside. And the snow was flying down. I missed, like, anyway. four minutes of that game. But anyway.
0: Yeah, but. Ohio State-Purdue. I was at the game. Obviously, an incredible finish with Jaden Ivy. I think that game, to me, proved... Prove to me why Purdue can be a Final Four team and why I can't trust Purdue all in one, right? Like, first stretches there, they really, really guarded, right? And that was one of the first times that year where I felt like they were really good defensively. Mason Gillis did an unbelievable job on each other for the first 30 minutes of the game. Um, you know, Ohio State looked a little bit limited offensively, really relying on Malachi Branham to kind of create. But you know, they, 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 don't, they don't have a point guard they can really trust to go create shots. Like, Jamari Wheeler's not that dude. Um... Uh, Michi Johnson's kind of shifty, but he's not that dude either. And Purdue's offense was rolling, right? They were getting their post touches. They're swinging around. Ivy was aggressive. Just felt like Ohio State made a couple of shots. You know, Cedric Russell gave him a nice lift off the bench. Eugene Brown gave him a nice lift off the bench. It is really kind of remarkable watching Ohio State. We've talked about this in the preseason. the The lack of dead weight at Ohio State, where they're just bringing in guys who know how to play. We're getting guys like Eugene Brown barely scores for them. He just comes in and gives you nine. Like it's really solid. Like I would take Eugene Brown. I'm pretty much any team in the country as a bench guy. Like he's just like really solid. Um, But Ohio State made a couple shots and Purdue just kind of tightened up. And, you know, they, Ohio State went zone briefly. That was really, I think a good move by Holtman. But like Purdue does not like for those 30 minutes, or whatever it was, Purdue is in control of the game. They were shooting the ball well. They were moving the ball. They were doing what they do offensively, and they were guarding. And then the final ten minutes, like so many missed assignments on defense, so many blown coverages, you know. And then offensively, they have no identity. Late in games, like I, I Ivy, Ivy is not a closer. Like I, I, I was really underwhelmed with with what Ivy did. You know, he. He nearly turned the ball over underneath. And then they took a timeout. Ran another set. Ivy didn't touch the ball. They turned it over. EJ hits the three to tie the game. Like, And that's that's not new with Ivy, right? Like, Think about the Iowa game where they really fal- faltered under the pressure. The Rutgers game where he had the big turnover. Travion They like they they don't know who they are in, in late games. Like, they don't have a guy that they trust. And, and in the f- closing seconds when you know, Purdue had the shot to win, they wanted to run something for... For Edie on the block, Jay and Ivy were in the wrong way. Blew up the play, and they eventually kind of find Ivy and Gillis gives him a half screen, and Ivy hits the you know game-winning shot. But I mean, man, it was really, really frustrating to watch Purdue. And again, I think they're a good basketball team. I think they're the best team in the Big Ten, the most talented team in the Big Ten. But like, there is something missing right now for Purdue, and I think it's just that the late-game execution is just not good enough.
1: Who do you think is the better fit for them in terms of, you know, we're going to the NCAA tournament, you know, down down the stretch we're we're rolling with our five. Are you a Williams or E D It's a great question.
0: I I think I would say Possession-to-possession, possession, Travion Williams. But if, but if you're, like, running a— Like, if you if you have, like, an after-timeout offensive set, I think I want Edie so I can keep in touch on the block and get fouled.
1: Williams can, can really pass and kind of anecdotally feels like he's a better rebounder and defender.
0: Good rebounder, definitely a better defender. He can switch a little bit, moves his feet. It's just like it's it's maddening to watch them because they're so talented. And again, I think a lot of people kind of attribute it to like, oh, they don't have a point guard, like that's why they're not, you know, able to close games. They don't have a point guard. But it's like you play veterans like Hunter Stefanovic, Travion, Jaden Ivey's a sophomore, but he's played a ton of basketball. Like I mean, it just doesn't make sense to me that they can't close games. They don't make free throws. It's just like it's it's so frustrating. And you know, I just, I, I was left finding more from from Purdue again. And, and credit to State, they really battled. Liddell made some big shots late after struggling early. I really like the Brandon kid. I think he's one and done, which stinks, because he would be an awesome player next year for them. But
1: And, you know, they don't even really have good. just a
0: suing back, which is one of the
1: forgotten injuries. Yes. In, in college because They
0: were going to run some stuff through suing at the elbows.
1: I mean, he's, he's very good. He, he's a double-figure scorer type. Um, in a backcourt.
0: Again, not a guy that really creates shots though.
1: No, but if if we're given, you know, the minutes that I mean, I, I don't know how much Michi Johnson and Jamar Wheeler play together. I think I think some. And then Sotos yes. gets in there some. You know, just just given those minutes to to, to suing and you know, being a little bigger, have, having Brandon with the two, um, just get, giving you another score next to that glue guy type point guard in Wheeler.
0: Agreed. That was a fun game. Um, also staying in the Big Ten. Illinois, I saw two of their games this past week. so I might as well have some thoughts on the Illini. I saw them Tuesday, uh, a week ago today, against Michigan State. And they found a way in a gritty one without Kofi or Cabello. Got Kofi back against Northwestern and found another way to win a gritty game in the 50s. I don't know what to make of this team. Because we just, just still haven't seen them at full strength. Like... I think Underwood is starting to find some things from his freshman. Melendez was really good against Northwestern. Um, and the kid, uh, Luke Goody made three threes against Michigan state. It was like really steady. And, you know, they love that kid. Like they think he's going to be a really good player. They got some decent minutes from our pain against Northwestern. I got some good minutes from Bosman for Donk a couple of weeks ago. Like he was steady against Michigan state without Kofi, like Trent and, and Plummer can really make shots They're, If you could just insert a fully healthy Andre Curbelo in last year's Andre Curbelo form of just like come in, make shit happen as a six-man type, I think this is a Final Four team. I think they're that good. I think they're top five, top top eight in the country if they had like a kind of energizer bunny Curbelo. Because right now, like they don't have backup guards for Plummer and Frazier. They just don't. Like, they they get put in Melendez or Podziemski, who are both, you know, kind of little-used freshmen. One's a shooter. One's more of, like, an athletic, switchable wing. Neither of them are guys who really want having the ball in their hands in big games, big moments. Like, they, they have two guards without Kerbella who can handle the ball. Like, obviously, Grandison can do that a little bit, but he's not – you know, he's more of a forward to me. Like, they just desperately need someone who can come in and handle the ball and, like, make shit happen like Kerbella can, so – Hopefully he get back. I know he COVID, so he'll be back shortly. But you know, uh, again, I, I still love the vision of Illinois, and I give Underwood a lot of credit because to be eight and two with everything that they've gone through, you know, health wise, is like unbelievably impressive to me. You know, even if even if the next three games they struggle, right? Even if their next three they lose Wisconsin, Indiana, Purdue, like they lose two or three, or even all three, like. You know, I, I still think you feel pretty good about what they've done, and you know, they still have home Penn State, home Northwestern, and home Iowa. They have, you know, like that. That's something. That's something that'll help. So I like the Illinois team. I don't know how much you've watched them, Brad. I mean,
1: I I watched them against Maryland when when they lost. Um, and then, and then I I think I watched that Michigan State game. Was that on Friday? Yeah, it was. Right.
0: Oh, it was a Tuesday night. Um, maybe I did. I don't remember. 56-55. Uh, I've been watching Malik a, Hall missed a free throw free Malik Hall missed a free throw with one second to go. Oh, to yes, I did watch that, yes.
1: I, I, but he missed a free throw, and then he made the second one when he was trying to when miss. he was trying right? to
0: miss, yes. Right, yes. I I, I did see that game. Uh, but, you know...
1: Both of Michigan
0: State's losses in the Big Ten are still... Are, are, are games where they missed a free throw with a second to go that would have tied the game.
1: But now... Every day I look at the bracketology, right? Whether it's Warner, Bracketville, Lenardi, whoever, okay?
0: Sports Illustrated, perhaps.
1: Have you put one out yet?
0: I put out like three. What the fuck?
1: Do you not tweet them?
0: I tweet them. I don't, I honestly don't think I've looked at yours. I'll, I'll have to go back and look well, at uh, it. Well, I'll be tweeting one tomorrow, so you can okay. keep your eye out.
1: Um, <laughs> anyway, so. You know, Providence is like a four-seed in all of these for the most part. The one five-seed, or if there are five, the one four-seed that I want no part of is Illinois. I'd be fine with Michigan State. I or Ohio State, Iowa State, Tennessee, LSU. Probably don't want Bama, but the one I really don't want is Illinois because they have that stud big and Coburn. They shoot the lights out. I don't think I've seen Plummer miss yet this year. Cabrillo, we'll see when he comes back if he if he just adds a whole other whole another gear to this team and this is like kind of a two seed type of look like like we thought in the preseason. Uh, but you know I think Illinois could definitely win win the league, you know, tournament or regular season. You know, it doesn't really matter. I I think that I might pick Il- Illinois over Purdue. I know I missed the game on Martin Luther King guy, um, that went to like double overtime or something, but. Uh, I I think the team I'm most fearful of in in the Big Ten is 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 Illinois. Certainly.
0: I think Purdue and Illinois are like the two teams that scare you, right? Like Wisco is so steady and Davis is special, but like they don't overwhelm you talent wise. Same thing with Michigan State. Like Michigan State and I've said this like Michigan State did not look significantly more talented than Northwestern. Than our and again, I think part of that's like Northwestern has an NBA player, Nance and like some solid role guys, but come on. They should be two and nine in the Big Ten if they hadn't somehow won this c catastrophe game this evening. Like at some point, that's it's an indictment, you know. That Michigan State does not look more talented than Northwestern. So yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think Indiana Indiana's okay, Ohio State's okay. But the, the two teams are scary, right? Are, are a healthy Illinois and, and a Purdue that finds a way to guard.
1: Now your your whole thing was that every game you go to is double overtime, great game, right? Close, yes. Uh, what happened last night?
0: It finally snapped, yes. I well, I thought it had snapped against for for the Purdue game. I was like, man, like of course the game that I had to wake up at 6:45 to get on the road for for an 11 a.m. Central Time hit is the you know shitty game. Then we get to come back in a buzz-beater. And then, yeah, no magic for, for Notre Dame because they looked very overwhelmed by the size. And Mike Bray kind of said at post-game, he's like, yeah, like we, just, you know, we we didn't handle the size. We missed a couple shots early that would have helped us believe, which I agree with. Like, I think there were a couple of looks that they had the first couple of minutes of the game where they could have kind of said something there and let the crowd get going. But they just didn't make them, and they just looked overwhelmed. And, and, and you know, Bray pointed out something that I think we talked about after Champions Classic. Which was like Duke is way more physically imposing than Kentucky. Yes. Because <laughs> he's played above. He's like, Yeah, like these guys are crazy big. Like I have not seen a team like this. Kentucky's nowhere near it, you know. And I think it's And that's,
1: and that's without Trevor Keels.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well Keels played. Really Keels did along. play. Kills did play. Oh, he did? Yeah. Twenty six minutes. Didn't really stand out.
1: I watched some of this game, but then I switched to Iowa
0: Penn State. That was an entertaining game. But no, I mean, like, I, I thought, I thought Caro was good, right? He could get anything he wanted in that game. And I, I was a little frustrated, quite frankly. because Like, he, he didn't take a free throw. Like, there are so many times when Palo catches the ball high post, elbows, top of the key. It's like, you know, you're bigger, faster, and stronger than the guy they started. Just like go to the rim. Just like rip and drive. And like, I think sometimes he just gets lazy and, I don't know if it's lazy or he just doesn't love contact or whatever it is, but he just doesn't get you know downhill to the rim. Like it took him twenty two shots to get his twenty one points against Notre Dame. But I thought he had a good game, he's the best player on the floor by far. And you know, every shot just felt contested for, for Notre Dame at the rim. I don't think they're a tournament team. Like I think I think they're NIT. I think Weston's good, but help, has helped them a lot, just didn't shoot it well in that game. And I just yeah, I I think they're an NIT team and that that game would have given them a great opportunity to Change that narrative, and they just they just didn't. So, um, finally, a more convincing Duke performance. Still not, you know, necessarily great on offense, but you know, good enough. And the defense was really, really impressive. So, um, still think Duke at their best is really good. I want. I did want to note, Brad. I do think it's funny that they need Bates Jones for like legitimate minutes. And kind of wonder if there's a transfer out there that would have just like jumped at the chance to basically be Theo John or you know a slightly lesser version of Theo John to play you know backup power forward minutes. Well, the base Jones played for Davidson, right? Like yeah, but not a lot. I know. Base Jones played like 15 minutes a game at Davidson.
1: I know. I I commended in the preseason both. St. Louis and Tulsa did that was just like yeah, just getting the last second just there, there's a, a senior out there who's you know, doesn't want to go be like a telemarketer next year he wants to play another year of basketball.
0: Yeah, they should have gotten Elijah Williams to Northwestern. Yeah.
1: Can you imagine? Philly <laughs> Dickinson guy. Yeah, yeah Duke they, fans would love that. Uh,
0: Elijah Williams, whereas I've coined him Poverty David Roddy.
1: Does does he have the ball skills of David Roddy?
0: Not quite, but he has a lot of ball skills. Like he handle the ball and shoot.
1: From the three Northwestern games I've watched this year, maybe more than that, but um, <laughs> Williams kind of reminded me of like a Crosswell type.
0: He's got a little more perimeter skill. Oh, huh. got some well, he got some perimeter pop. He averaged like four well. game at Fairleigh Dickinson. Crosswell's playing anyway. some
1: nice passes, but yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, A.J. Griffin is turning it on.
0: Yeah, i he's, he's he's an X factor.
1: Give myself another, uh, another faux pas again when he was not, you know, he didn't jump out of the gate, and I kind of gave up on him because I know draft Twitter was in love with him in the preseason. You know, even dating back to last year, you know, he was just like a 10 minute game guy early, and I, and I kind of didn't didn't stick with him when I should have because now he, he's really. Playing extremely He's so athletic. He's got great size. He sh- he really shoots the ball. You know. He's just ginormous.
0: Yeah, like, he's so big and so long. Like he again, I don't think he like, he he would not be a good for, best player on a high major this year.
1: No, he, he made a good decision and he's going to get paid. You know, he's he's definitely going to be a first round pick. I mean, there absolutely there's should no be top about.
0: 15. I think. Yeah, when he makes shots, um, he's you know he's he's been really solid and again just makes their defense all the more imposing because. Like when they go and, and Jeremy Roach has been much better and has been solid as a point guard and solid at the point of attack, but like when they go out with a lineup of more Keels, Griffin, Paolo, and Mark Williams. My God. That's it, like even, everyone six five, everyone NBA body. Like even though Joey Baker's like, giving him something.
1: What? I don't remember if it was the, the the brief yes. period of the Notre Dame game I watched or the chunk of the Louisville game I watched. But I saw him put, put the ball on the floor and finish like a 10-foot floater.
0: I think he's, it must have been the Louisville game because he didn't make a shot against Notre Dame.
1: L- Louisville game, okay. He, he's he been hitting threes. I mean, you know, talk talk about things that we forget from a couple of years ago. Remember when Coach K made Joey Baker burn his red
0: up. shirt for yeah. like one game? The Syracuse game, if I recall. Was it not? Maybe. Yes, it was the serious game. February 23rd, he played five minutes against Syracuse. Missed a three. I don't know. Were they, like, banged up that day? Yeah, they had no depth. That, that day, they played because Zion didn't play because it was right after the uh, the, foot. the shoe blowout, and Jack White was out. So, they played Reddish, Barrett, Trey Jones, Alice O'Connell, Javin Delorier, and their bench was Mark, Marquise Bolden, Joey Baker, Antonio Vrankovich, how about that for a legendary name? And uh Jordan Goldwire. So somehow Duke was less Syracuse was less deep. They brought two guys off the bench. Name them. Okay, wait. Let's 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 go back here. Okay, this was 3 years ago, I believe. Yes, yeah, the Zion team.
1: Okay, so Syracuse So one of the players off the bench would have been Buddy Beheim. That's correct. The second player off the bench would have been Barama Sidibe.
0: No, close though.
1: All right, give me one more guess. This you player off the bench.
0: You loved this guy.
1: Oh, no. Who is it? You love this
0: kid. Oh. Five. Four. No. Three. Two. I can't get One. Marek Dolajai. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the starters what? were Tyus Battle. Malachi Richardson. Frank Howard. No. Not even close. What are you talking about? Malachi Richardson in 2018. What was he from? Like 2016, 2015, I think. Ty's bad. Elijah Hughes, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Pascal Chukwu.
1: Pascal Chukwu. (laughs) He he has some good moments. People don't appreciate this. The enormous dude who blocks shots and
0: protects the rim but can't catch the ball. Malachi Richardson was 2015-16. Brad. Yeah, so I was, I was with, two years off with Mike Bannister and Trevor Cooney and that's, Tyler Roberson.
1: That's one Tyler of lied. the points in my argument of don't don't go to kind of normal one and done schools because like all, all the teams blend together, right? Like I I, need I couldn't tell you who Gary remember, Trent the played the with at Duke. I couldn't tell you who Keldon Johnson played with at Kentucky. You know, there's just one guy in the cog. True. You know, Syracuse doesn't have that many nba guys but i mean go, going through it i mean they have they have a, bunch,
0: right? they have a lot of fringe nba guys guys yeah. who suck at the nba exactly but yeah anyway i don't even it, remember what we were talking oh, joey baker burning the red Shire. well good thing the covid year gives him a year back so if he wants to come back he, he can
1: he could have had a, a 60 year. maybe he could he could petition it and said that like coach k uh, bullied him or something but
0: like yeah coach k <laughs> Can you imagine?
1: Or maybe Coach K will just call the NSA and say, "Give, give Joey Baker another year, please."
0: Well, what will Jay Billis do in that situation? Oh, he he will send off a tweet.
1: Without with, with probably not knowing any of the facts, just like hearing a one-sided account from the player and the coaching staff, he'll, he'll fire off a tweet. Yeah. Um, but
0: is there any? What else do we need to get to on this podcast?
1: Speaking of Syracuse, I I I wanted to get another look at Wake Forest and a look at Syracuse oh on Saturday goodness. night. So I watched this one instead of, um, of, of Texas, Tennessee. I know they're huge melts. We were talking about melts before the show. Uh, what a melt by Texas, but they held on to this one. Uh, but anyway, Wake, Wake Forest had like a pretty comfortable first-half lead over Syracuse. And then Buddy Boeheim turned into Clay Thompson on offense and Chris Dunn on defense in the second half. He was getting steals. He was deflecting passes. He was pulling threes. Uh, and, and he willed, willed Syracuse to, to a... I mean, it's not really an important win. Giannis was there; that was cool, I guess.
0: What? Is, yeah, what, I don't. I don't know what Syracuse because Syracuse is off the bubble, you know.
1: Like, yeah, they're like they're below 500. They there's lost. There's nothing to Kobe. they can
0: do. There's nothing they can do to get back in the mix. Like, they every have to win every single
1: out. game. Same the same thing that we tell like Murray State and and and, and Rick Patino and the Gales. You got to win every game, and then you you have the privilege of losing the conference the conference championship. Best of luck to you. Um, but then, I guess on Bajam's radio show, I didn't, I didn't listen to the clip yet. Um, but I guess he said we're not going to the transfer portal next year. I, my, my guess he was, he was kind of trolling, because uh, he's like, you know what? I think I'll just start two of the freshmen. Um, <laughs> which is, which is hilarious if they don't, if they don't hit, hit the portal at all next year. But um, anyway, good, good win for Syracuse, and now, now Wake Forest people have. I've really soured on them. I know Rocco moved them off off the bubble. He had a whole whole reasoning with a uh, you know a team like that. There are nine, but if they lose this one game, then their profile's not the same. I don't know, but they're they're out according to Rocco Miller. Um
0: yeah, I, I disagree with that. But it did impact things quite a bit.
1: They have they have plenty of chances to, to blow it, right? I, I mean the the ACC is is minefield city. You you, you look at Florida State who Maybe Malik Osborne's done for the year. Caleb Mills was out with bronchitis, and they lose a home game to Virginia Tech. And you know, Virginia Tech was supposed to be an NSA tournament team. I, I, I had them as the first team out in the preseason, but they're way at the bottom. They're like ten and ten, three and seven in the league, and they and they knock off Florida State at home. Um, so there, there are minefields at every turn with these kind of like solid NIT type of teams that can just wreck. The uh, resumes for Wake, UNC, Miami, and
0: Notre Dame. And and the problem is, is like all these teams are like they're not just losing these games; like they're getting killed, right? Like Wake could have afforded to lose to Syracuse, right? Like especially at the dome, right? Like road game, I assume it's Q two, might even sneak Q one, like whatever. But to get worked, you know, like that's a problem. Florida State. Kind of find the momentum. 6-2 in the league, feeling good. To lose by 15 to Georgia Tech and 15 to Virginia Tech, all of a sudden they're 78 in Ken Palm. You know, it's just like you know, I, I like I, I think Wake will be okay because I think Wake is going to go like 13 and 7 in the league, and if they got 13 and 7 in the league. They should get in the NCA tournament, right? Like full stop. As long as they don't do anything stupid. I think they were dancing, but you know, like you said, it's just, it's minefield city, you know, especially if like, I think the league has almost been helped by the fact that like NC state has not been good. Louisville has fallen off, right? Like I think there was a fear, Brad, that everyone was going to be like 70, you know, like 65 to 95. And those would be like too good to, you know, too good but not good enough, right? Like, NC State is actually bad. You know, like. I mean, they they, they have the talent. They're talented, yeah. right? They're talented, but they're not like they're not a good basketball team, right? Like, you should not lose NC State, right? Like, these teams, like, I I I have less. I feel less sorry for you if you're losing NC State right now.
1: I mean, all, Georgia Tech all, same deal. Right? No, they're. There are thirteen teams in this league that have legit talent, and then Pitt and Boston College have been feisty. I mean, I, I, I watched BC the.
0: We're seven. Good for them. I mean, it's kind of a Jim Christian year where like they're actually bad and they have by game losses, but it's like, okay, yeah, you know, like they're not they're not getting completely worked in the conference. So good for them. I have read this. Which this, in year one it's fine.
1: This uh profile that Boston.com did on Mackay.
0: Oh baby. And it
1: was like we're not blaming Providence, but. They had a Ferrari in the garage, and they wanted to slow down and r- run plays every time, and Mackay's got to run, and that's why he's been so good this
0: year. Who said this? Uh, I believe either Mackay or his dad. Um, yeah, because this 13-4-3 on 42% shooting would be you know, world-changing for the Friars right now. Uh,
1: well, he's saying Province runs a bunch of set plays. Boston College lets us run. I mean, I've only seen a couple of Boston College games this year. I saw them get murdered by somebody. I don't remember who it was. Um, it was like an early... Uh, might, might have been Wake Forest, but... Anyway, um, Boston College has a slower tempo on on Kempom on than uh, Providence.
0: I think they let the guards play, though. Like, I think if you look back,
1: so kind of see them. So for being 300th in tempo, they can run... Every once in a while.
0: It's not like running. It's just like like their guards just create in space. Like they don't. It's it's a lot the, more. The like. The translation
1: like, is: What the best player and he can do what he wants. The Providence, he was the seventh best player and he was asked right.
0: to. And, and, and being the best player is producing tons of wins.
1: Hey, four already. We're yeah. we're on a roll here. And you know, Pitt's feisty too. I mean, look at Clemson. Uh, had, had had Duke on the ropes there. For, for, I think that was last week. Um, yeah. So, so all these teams are good enough to to win a game, um, you know, against the top of the league, but they're just like these like weird kind of
0: solid like NIT 10. teams. It's the Atlantic Ten.
1: Yeah, it's like except there's like twice as many teams that can do it, right? Where like the A10 has St. Louis and VCU and Dayton and I mean and Mason and Bonnies, right? That's five, uh, and I think the ACC has ten of them.
0: Well let's just say davidson's good right so 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 between 148 so so st joseph's 148 and ken palm yeah we can call them right on the fringe of whether they're okay or not rhode island 101 richmond 85 bonnie's 95 st louis 62 dayton 76 vcu 68 george mason 104 i think the real difference of the a10 there's no one you can beat that actually like changes your resume other than davidson Right. And even them, it's really only on the road that matters.
1: And if VCU is starting to make a tournament push with their road wins, or I don't know, they got, and they, they be-
0: they got they're, benefited, they're benefited hugely by the fact that Wagner and Chattanooga don't suck. Yeah, Wagner is is like 30th in the net or
1: something? Or or, or in wins they're, above bubble, I
0: think? They're number... They're like 80th in the net. So. I think
1: wins above bubble, they're like 30th. Well,
0: that's because they're only... Their the only losses are Seton win. Hall and Penn State, and they beat VCU. Oh, right. So the, basically, like the bubble line theoretically is probably relatively close to Seton Hall, right? And they have one win over another team around the bubble on the road in VCU. One win or one loss on the road to a team that's not that close to the bubble, but isn't that far away either in Penn State. And then undefeated, you know, in ten games or twelve games against, you know, two hundred plus teams that which the the, the WAB loves, right? The WAB loves to the WABs like, oh yeah, you know, the average bubble team would lose one of these ten by games, which is like not really true, I don't think. But that's the 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 premise is that theoretically you know, if if you made North Carolina play Delaware State, Fairfield, St. Francis, Bryant, St. Francis, Fairley, Dickinson, LIU, Merrimack, St. Francis, and St. Francis, that they would lose one of those games. That's the premise. Because theoretically, all those games are like 95 win prob. And if you have, do that 10 times, you have a 50% chance basically of losing one game.
1: But maybe, I mean, Florida lost one this year. BYU basically lost one the other night against. Uh... Right specifically you know, that doesn't road game but you know i was thinking about this earlier today actually if if somehow bryant gets to host the finals for the neck tournament or the 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 nec tournament excuse me uh i might consider going
0: will i get you a media credential
1: i've never been to a bryant game before
0: but should i get you a credential brad you look very official
1: i mean i'm sure i could just waltz in
0: right buy a ticket yeah, but you can probably you have to you have to talk to you want to talk to Grasso post game, you know. Go well, on I
1: think I want to drive home and watch the the late game. The other
0: games, the yeah. games <laughs> that matter, yeah. Brian just has to beat Wagner theoretically. They've only yeah. lost. They played one game against each other. They lost. They closed, Overtime, the, regular too, right? they closed the regular season out. They close the regular season out February twenty sixth. So theoretically, who wins our game is good. But Brian, I'm, like four, I'm like four.
1: I'm like forty five minutes from. From Bryant, I I just have very little desire to like go to all these mid major games. That's why I really don't o- only go to Providence games for the most part. That's fair.
0: Um, I mean, I, I, I would never, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't do to, like the New York City thing of like go to every single mid major game. Like there are people who do that. Like I wouldn't do that. No. But I get to go to a lot of high major games, lots of good games, and I'm going to two. This is a good way to wrap up the show, Brett, because I don't have, I don't think I have anything more. We're past midnight on the East Coast. Um... I'm going to two big mid-major games this week, Brad. I'm very excited about it. Laramie, Wyoming for Wyoming versus Boise State on Thursday night. Very fortuitously rescheduled to that date. It was originally a COVID cancellation.
1: For the lead in the Mountain West.
0: Really? Well, Wyoming has two losses still now. No? Or am I wrong?
1: I think Wyoming has one. I think they lost to.
0: Yeah, that's correct. They have Arizona and Stanford, and then Boise certainly lost. So yes, that's correct.
1: I uh, watched a, a big chunk. I mean, the, like the whole second half, I think, of the game, or, or, or no, once once the Penn State game ended, I, I I flipped yesterday to Wyoming and Colorado State. Wyoming was impressive. I mean, Ek, I'm not a baby. Never seen a shot he doesn't like, but I mean, he's he's a pretty good. Physical presence. Maldonado, he's that kind of like,
0: dominant post scorer. He's kind of he's he's like Mountain West Nate Watson.
1: Yeah, because he's a lefty and he's a little yes. springier.
0: Yeah, he, di- different yeah. like build, but like same idea. You know? Yeah,
1: I was High-ish. I was trying to think of a good comp earlier. I really couldn't.
0: Um, Mountain West they, Nate Watson.
1: Yeah. Um, Maldonado has great size. He was hitting jumpers, which is not his game, but he was great going to the basket. And they they, they surround those guys with shooters
0: and athletes, right? I mean, Jeffrey's a great shooter. Ducelle is a good shooter. Brandon Wenzel could really shoot it. But, like, Odin's a good athlete. Wenzel's a good athlete. Yeah, Odin, yeah. Ducell's an athlete. Jeffries is, an, like, a decent athlete. Like, they have athletes everywhere. They make shots. They're really well coached. I mean, we talked about before the show, Brad. I mean, Jeff Linder belongs on the uh, the Miracle Worker list, along with Craig Smith and Nico Medved, So
1: I mean, look at what he did at, at Northern Colorado. I mean, I, I didn't realize oh that. Gosh. I, I just realized his last year they were top 75 in in, in Ken Palm. Uh, but, like, the year before, they... T- tied for first in the Big Sky or whatever whatever league they're in, um, and then the year before that they won the CIT.
0: Um, they went from so so they so so they went. Um, I just want to have the Ken Palm history. So he inherited the program. They were three fourteen in Ken Palm the year before he got there, and had NCAA tournament NCAA sanctions. He was two eighty three in year one. Won you know won the CIT in year two. Was one zero four. in Ken Palm, but playing those late season tournaments always helps. Those those kind of are misleading. I usually think, you know, they usually boost your your numbers a little bit. But either way, they're 104th, and then win 26 games. And then you're they they dropped to 193 in 2019, and then went to 75th in 2020, and you know, won 20 games three years in a row, and now um, at Wyoming took over, and it was 246 the year before, with I believe no no those. It was the year before they had the NBA player and Justin James. They had Marcus Williams, all right? No, no, I'm saying 2019 20, 20, 20. Right. Justin James. And then he brings in Marcus Williams. They're 164 in year one, go over 500, you know, win a conference tournament game, lose Marcus Williams. And now they've just like figured it out defensively and are really, like, really moving the ball and. Mel was great, EK. I mean, to recruit two guys the caliber, VK and Marcus Williams in one class. Not to mention Odin, not to mention Ducell, not to mention Wenzel, not to mention Drake Jaffries, all those guys he recruited in one like transition class. But all I would say is I would be advised if I were uh if I were Jeff Linder, I would uh I would get out before that c- class graduates because it might be hard to do it again. But yeah. Maybe
1: Washington, yeah. although Mike Hopkins is is, is, is flirting yeah, with a
0: pretty conference record. I mean,
1: they're yeah. already six and three. Maybe Arizona State. Yeah, Arizona
0: State. I mean, it doesn't really fit culturally at Northwestern, given he's only been at public schools. But I would I would sign for like a ex and a wizard. I think Todd Golden maybe the better fit there. But
1: he's he's only been in like the kind of mountain kind of Colorado, Midwest, yeah. Idaho, Utah range. But
0: I'm trying to think of like what a, another job might be for him. That's probably like Oregon state's not going to open anytime soon. Oregon only would open if Dana got another job. Maybe Washington if state if Kyle Smith goes somewhere else. Kyle or... Smith gets another. That's a good call. But that's a tough job. Real tough. So we'll see. Linder's really good. Really, really good. Um, I can see him at K state. Yeah. It's Nebraska. Although it's probably med fed. Um, but that game's going to be great. I mean, Wyoming is one of the best offenses in the country. Top 30. Um, Boise State is top ten in the country in Kenpom pump defense. Um, they have really, great really talent. Tough. Make State. great. They have great flashy talent. Boise. The thing yeah, about have... it though is like Key Jab and Acon, Key Jab. But Marcus Key Jab and, and Acot aren't like flashy players. They're just big time athletes.
1: They're, they're they have great positional size. They're very athletic. Right. And Armoose
0: um, is really good. Shavers clutch. Dagan Hart's a glue guy. Oh, and then
1: talk about a melt. Was it Boise State? Yeah, Fresno on oh, late night Friday. Man. I watched that whole game. But that's
0: what Boise does. I mean, Boise's done this to every team. They just like randomly make threes late. It's unbelievable.
1: But Dagan Hart hit a couple big threes. He had a nice, nice finish around the rim. Made made some nice passes. That
0: game. Um, yeah, that game was really good. They're really good. I mean, look, we we said it maybe last podcast week before. Their stretch. Of at Utah State, at San Diego State, home Wyoming, at Fresno, at Wyoming would kind of define whether they were legit or not. Coming off a start, I think a ten game win streak, they're four zero in that stretch, and I'll see the fifth game. And you know they they would they would be approaching NCAA tournament lock if they went at Wyoming on Thursday, which is crazy to think about a team that started three and four and lost to Cal State Bakersfield and UC Irvine being like well, close approaching lock status. They still still have to avoid the minefields. But, yes. Um, but like no, I. That road win at Washington State is a beautiful thing for them.
1: Because Washington State just like every once they're in a while just knocks the crap out of somebody.
0: They just knock the crap out of everyone. Everyone that they're supposed to be, they knock the crap out of. Except for Eastern Washington. That didn't go well. Um and then 35th in Ken Palm, Washington State. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then I'm going Saturday to or I, I figured it was the only chance I could get to ever go to a game in Laramie. So I'm gonna do that and then. Friday night, Fort Collins, San Diego State, Colorado State. I mean, electric atmosphere. Very excited about it, and uh, see some see David Roddy play. One of the most unique players in the country. Oh, what's what's going on with your Ramblers? They're the the, the, the narrative is so absurd.
1: I mean, there there is no narrative right now. The I mean, the, them in Colorado State have been anointed, but they can just oh, do whatever there,
0: they want. There's out. there's a there's an anti Loyola narrative out there.
1: I I haven't seen it, but.
0: It's it's in my it's in my texts.
1: They're playing too many close games or something. Right?
0: Yeah, that, but so, so you can't so look, play but,
1: close games to be a good team. You got to blow teams out.
0: Yeah, but also like think about the valley. Like if you go back to the Final Four season for Chicago, and yeah, I think they have they have worked to, to play better. I think they've kind of taken the foot off the gas a little bit and have to figure it out. And maybe the Drake game does it for them. Look back like, that Final Four year, they. They played Northern Iowa to four points in the Valley Tournament. Northern Iowa was 122 in Ken Palm. They played Illinois State to seven points. They were 140th in Ken Palm. They played Indiana State to four points. They were 138 in Ken Palm. They played Indiana State or, or Valpo to nine points. They were 150 in Ken Palm. Um, they had their share of like close games. that They had to the grind out, and they lost to Indiana State. They lost to Bradley. One at home, one on the road. They were fine. Last year, Sweet 16 team. Southern Illinois, eight-point game. Southern Illinois, seven-point game. You know, Valpo, two-point game. Evansville, 13 and 11. Like, an awful Evansville team. Right? Like, lost to Indiana State. Beat Indiana State by 10 in the other meeting. Right? Like, it's like... That's just the way the Valley is. It's always tight. It's always nip and tuck. They're it's only well two scouted. officers are decent. Yeah, well scouted. <laughs> that's what they say. Um... Missouri State is a fine loss. Drake at, on the road is fine. Both Q2. Probably got to win. You know, got to make sure you win. You know, the, the the crossover game, right? If you so so if you lost to Missouri State at home, you probably got to be on the road. You Got to beat Drake at home because you lost him on the road. But as long as they get to you know 15 and three, they're fine. Like it's just like, you know, I I think it's a little tired. It's like they they're they're a good team. Like we don't need to, we don't need to overthink this. They have to play a little bit better. I saw people, I saw someone tweeted like who have they beaten. What are you talking about?
1: So they beat in San Francisco.
0: Arizona State neutral. DePaul Road, Vanderbilt Road, San Francisco neutral. That's their resume. That doesn't sound great. But like who who do you expect them to beat? Right. They have no bad losses. They blow out the teams generally that they're supposed to blow out, with the exception of like I guess Indiana State on the or Valpo at home is like the only like impeachable offense. You know, their metrics are good. They have no bad losses. They played really tight with Auburn and Michigan State. They have three high-major wins. They have a neutral-court win over a bubble team. Like, what are we asking for here? Like, what what is the standard that is being set? You know. um,
1: was Was UCLA Arizona last week? It was. Pey- Peyton Watson looked uh, looked great.
0: brought some energy. Just brought some energy.
1: Super athlete. UCLA really imposed their will on that one. They games in a row, they've four been dominant. Too.
0: They just couldn't, they couldn't blow anyone out, and all of a sudden they're blowing everybody out. So we
1: we were talking Final Four earlier in the show. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily selling my Arizona stock. I mean, as, as well as Tobellos was out or kind of hampered, uh, and and uh, UCLA could make a Final Four too. I think I think I still take Kentucky is a Final Four team over UCLA. Um, I agree.
0: I just yeah, think Arizona UCLA need, needed better better guard play, right? Kyrie's not very good. Dalen Terry's a glue guy. Carissa shot it awful, and and Matherin, like Matherin was making shit happen, but it was too much. He fires too. He oh my he's goodness. not shy. He is a, he is more of a scorer than we 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 projected. Absolutely, absolutely. He's still uh, just very 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 erratic.
1: Oregon knocked me out of rush the court eliminator, losing to Colorado.
0: Oh, that was a tough pick. Tough pick. Yeah, they, at some point. How much have you used these good how much how many good teams have you used so far?
1: Well I am not now, but I, I had Yukon, Wisconsin, and Oregon that past week. I, I mm. hadn't used a ton of the good teams. Um but thought this was a good spot for Oregon. Yeah. And they were playing Colorado and in, in uh Utah, but um, and then Iowa still hasn't really gotten going. They're kinda of treading water. They lost to Penn State. Kind They're of doing the free. clean
0: resume thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, Connor McCaffrey. Weird. He shot a three pointer, and then he was like holding his shoulder. I think he like dislocated it on the previous play, and then like didn't feel it, and then like took a shot, and then like doubled over in pain. That was pretty weird. But you know, I, I I love how how Iowa has these guys that kind of jump from obscurity into relevance. They're just like one piece short. They need like one better guard is what they're missing, but. They'll, they'll have plenty of opportunities to get the, the signature win. Um, think that they're more of like a 11 seed, last four in type of team, even with an NBA player and uh Keegan Murray. But fun, fun to watch. They have a great offense, and then Penn State hit some really timely shots between Sesums and Lee and your, your man Jalen Pickett. Uh, he's clutch, man. Someone, he, 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 he's very slow.
0: Oh my God. He's, like, you, painfully you have no slow idea. to watch. You
1: have no idea. He's painfully slow to watch. But Penn State's feisty. They're, they're, they're very undersized. They're kind of under-talented. Miles Dredd hit a huge shot uh, to send it to overtime. Um, but, yeah. I, th- I, I think that's all I have. It, it, it's tough to even remember the games from, oh like, a God. week ago.
0: You've not, especially because especially I've gone to so many games, it's like, the other games, I'm kind of, like, tracking them, and I'll, like, watch a little tape later. It's like. Fire up synergy. It's like, I have no idea what I've missed, but I feel like we got to most of it. It's late. Let's wrap it up, folks. So I appreciate you all listening. Happy February. It's crazy to say. It feels like yesterday we were, it feels like yesterday I was at Coppin State, Loyola, Chicago, but here we are. Thank you all. We'll see you all uh, next week.